1: Romantic suspense author Laurie Matthews likes putting strong women up against tough guy protectors, but not so they'll race in and save anybody. Not at all. Rather, the strong women learn to save themselves with little help from their friends, and readers enjoy seeing two alpha personalities get together and learn to work it out. Hi there, I'm your host Jenny Wheeler, and in today's episode, Laurie talks about her latest book, Hit and Run, number three in the Callahan Security Series, with a cutting edge plotline about the race to prevent state-of-the-art facial recognition software from falling into the wrong hands. But before we get to Laurie, just a reminder, you'll find a full transcript of this chat with links to Laurie's books and website on the thejoysofbingereading.com. Visit us there and leave us a comment or a suggestion. We'd love to hear from you. But now, here's Laurie. Hi there, Laurie, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Hi, Jenny. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. Look, beginning at the beginning, as I always like to, was there a once upon a time moment when you decided that you wanted to write fiction? And if so, was there any sort of catalyst for it?
2: Grade 11. It was my grade 11 English teacher had this assignment where we had to write uh, a short story fiction, and it had to be suspenseful. And that ticked something with me, just boom. And I thought, oh, And I remember writing the story and I did well in the story, but it just, it clicked in my brain and I sat down and I tried to write my first suspense novel, which I'm sure died silently somewhere in a computer recycling facility, I'm hoping, because it was awful. But that was what started the whole thing. And from there, I always knew I would write. It's fantastic to know it. So grade 11 for people in New
1: Zealand, How, how old is grade 11? About 1617 in there. Okay, okay. That oh, that's a good time to sort of know what you're wanting to do. So you've now got three books published in the Callahan Brothers series, but I know that there was probably a bit of a gap between that light bulb moment in your teens and getting actually getting published. We'll we'll get to that in a little while, but you've now got three books published in the Callahan series. And I noticed that you've also got a new book in a new series that's going to be out soon. We'll talk about that a little bit later too. But And they've got something in common, both of these series that you've tackled, and that's tough guy men, often former military people, who are now in the private protection business. And I wondered if there was something about that idea that got your creative juices pumping, whether you like the idea of strong men protecting us.
2: Well, it's so interesting. I love the idea because what I like to do is put strong women up against them. So you have the idea of that natural hero, sort of tough guy thing, which, you know, is in every sort of action movie and those types of things. And I love to put the strong female right up against them. And so it becomes a tug of war in a sense. And I enjoy that whole concept And in my books, without giving too much away, the women always save themselves to a certain degree. I don't like this whole, and he sweeps in and saves them. No, no, that's not how it happens. They tend to save themselves with a little bit of help. But I just love that whole concept of having two very strong alpha personalities, regardless of sex, really come up against one another and have to figure it out. Yeah, that, that's that is so because I have
1: commented that your heroines or your the women that they come up against they're very feisty and actually this word feisty I've been noticing it surfacing a lot lately. It seems that there's quite a taste, quite a swell of readers who like
2: the idea of strong women. Have you found that? For sure, and I think. It goes with everything that's going on, I think, in the broader society at large, where we're recognizing people's rights in general more. And I think that having a strong woman character is such a bonus because as a mom and I have a daughter, I think it's so important to show women as they really are, because we are strong. We're not usually the ones sitting in the corner, you know, wringing our hands, which is often how we've been portrayed in the past. And I think The more we can get out there and show people this is who we really are as individuals, it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman or you're uh, any gender you choose or you're gender neutral. We are strong individuals, and I so want to put that out there in my stories, that strong individuals coming in close quarters with one another, and how are we going to navigate that? The other thing that's
1: interesting about your women is that they quite a number of them have a varied or a murky past, like in the one that we're talking about today, number three in the series, Hit and Run, it's called. Dhani is a very accomplished hacker. And she has done some hacking in the past that may not be exactly the right side of the law. And her counterpart, Gage, has strong feelings about the destruction hackers can cause because of some previous experience he's had. And in another one, Alexandra is a thief who likes to be almost like a Robin Hood of contemporary times. You describe it as intent on romantic equalisation. And I was just really quite taken with that term. What do you see in that term? And how do you see that general thing of your women having the slightly dark past?
2: That was one of the themes um, that really appealed to me. When you look at books in general, it tends to be The bad boy sort of mentality, and he's the attractive one. Well, I thought, you know, let's do some bad girls. And really, what they are are women who've stepped up in what's considered a male dominated area and said, oh, no, this is my area too. And I'm going to do my thing in it. And I like the idea that they're on a perceived wrong side of the law, that maybe what they do isn't necessarily above board. But in life, I think we all realize there's so many varying shades of gray. So I've given them all the ability to do on what would be not quite the up and up, but if you go into and read it, you'll find that the reasoning behind it is is morally on the up and up. And Alex in particular, I absolutely love. So she is a thief and she likes to equal the the scales. So when um, somebody gets dumped, you know, and, and the person who dumps them walks off with like their father, grandfather's watch they gave them because they thought they're going to get engaged and then refuses to give it back. She steals it back. So I like to think she equalizes the, the scales and all these things. And she makes sure that you get closure. That was sort of the idea behind her. Like somebody can come in and scoop what you needed and make sure you got closure from your torn up relationship and I just thought that was a fun angle to take.
1: And certainly, and I'd just like to mention for those who might be interested in looking Alexandra up that she is in the first book in the series, Break and Enter. There's also quite a strong drive for redemption there too, isn't there?
2: Yes, I think that in general we all have things that we look back on and think, oh if I could have done that differently or if I hadn't behaved in that manner. Things would have worked out. And so all my characters kind of have a moment where they need to look at what they've done, accept it and move on from it, but in a way that's in a more positive manner. And I really tried to put that in all of my books because I think it's an important thing for all of us to learn from our past.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, Hit and Run is plotted around the development of facial recognition software. Uh, this, The intention of this software is for good purposes, but it's attracted the dangerous attention from the bad guys who want to use it for nefarious purposes. There's a lot of high level technical detail all the way through book three, hit and run. It's, it's not overwhelming for the reader, but I can see that it's there every step of the way. I thought, wow, I hadn't
2: thought of that aspect. That's really interesting. Was that hard to research? Um, (laughs) I probably won't ever pick something quite as cutting edge again because as I was writing it, new articles would come out and things would change, and I'd have to go back and change some of the things I said because it was just (laughs) so up to the minute. But it was so interesting. It started with an article that caught my eye last year, the year before, somewhere in there that they started talking about facial recognition software and how things like the phones and the computers that we have are such a a limited ability compared to what's actually out there. You know, I always joke, my husband says when he grows a beard, his laptop won't open, like he won't recognize him. So he's like, oh, it's time to shave. And and that just struck me as what a great thought. And and I went from there with this idea, but I had to constantly keep reading because as I was writing, new articles would come up on how they've already advanced past this point or that point. And it was really... Let me say I was happy to get it out there and be, okay, it's done and I can't change it anymore. <laughs> that's good. But it did require focusing a lot on making sure I was up to the minute. So
1: maybe that's why you've completely changed your setting for your next uh, series, and that's justified misfortune in – and it's a more of a modern Western, I guess, isn't it? It's set on a ranch.
2: It is. So L James has this world she calls her Brotherhood Protector World. And I'm fortunate enough to write in it. So this is my first entry into her world. And she sets them all in Montana. So I had to sort of look up Montana and do a lot of research about Montana because I usually write about where I've been and I haven't been to Montana. And of course, COVID set in, so my chances of going to Montana became very slim. So I did a lot of research, tried to read a bit about it and, and get a good feel about it and go through all kinds of um, blogs and things about it. And then write. it was just nice to write something different in that sense. It's a completely different setting. It's cowboys. It's you know, horses and fun things. And, and so it's completely different setup. I didn't quite realize that was a book in someone else's series. Are you going
1: to be doing more on that or
2: is that just a one-off? No, I, the next one in that series. So within Her World, I have my own series. I call it the Justified okay. series. So yeah. justified misfortune is the first one. And then the next one out will be Justified Burden and that'll come out in December. Oh, great. Okay.
1: Now, in Justified Misfortune, a Navy SEAL named Hudson Rick, so we've got still the military background, returns to the ranch and discovers that his high school sweetheart has been accused of murder. So we've got the woman that might or might not have done something wrong. And as we've said, there's definite parallels there with Callahan Brothers, isn't there?
2: There is. And I so enjoy taking the traditional sort of alpha male and, and pairing up against less traditional females. And I enjoy the flexibility that those characters have. If I take someone who is no longer, who has a sort of strict background where there's a code and there's rules, police officers, anything along those lines, firemen, and then you take them out of that and put them in a more flexible situation. It allows me a whole lot of room to play with their skill sets and that's what i really like to do i like to play with their skill set so it's one of the things in my second book in the callahan series smash and grab i actually make fun of the lead he uh, is supposed to be you know he came from the military too and the heroine says things to him like, aren't you supposed to be able to do this? And he points out, I was a JAG lawyer. Like he was a lawyer in the Navy. So he's like, I don't have these skills. You keep thinking I'm supposed to have. And so it's a great fun to play with those types of things. I like this to back them out of their comfort zones and put them into different areas.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a very broad range of settings and skill sets, etc. that you're tackling with these books. And I wondered if there was anything in your pre-writing life that prepared you. I mean, I I imagined at one stage that you might have even originally lived on a ranch and knew all about horses or that you might have had a tech background and been a a sort of IT person. Tell us a bit about your pre-writing life and how it fits into what you're doing now.
2: So um, never lived on a ranch, but I did. I'm actually from Nova Scotia. So I did grow up outside of a city in a more, what we used to call sub-suburban setting in Canada, and it was on the ocean. So there's sort of, you'll see a lot more boat stuff that keeps coming up and ships and things that keep coming up in themes in my books, because I'm used to that. I do tend to write about where I've been, places I've gone, so that I have that personal experience with it. I was a librarian and I always say in my former life. So a lot of research comes naturally to me and I enjoy that aspect of it. And sometimes I end up going down the rabbit hole and it's hard to get out of the research and actually get to the writing. So there's all those. And I have a lot of connections in the IT world. So I can ask a lot of questions and those types of things. So it's, it's great that way. And like I said, I get so caught up in the research. Sometimes it's hard to get to the writing. They are also very intricately plotted and I wondered if you had
1: some sort of system of keeping track of the various plot turns and twists over the whole scope of the series. Do you have a sort of book Bible or a
2: series Bible that you try and maintain? You know, I would love to say yes and tell you I'm one of those organized people. I'm really not. (laughs) It's when I write, I have four or five points I want to hit for each book. So in my writing, I aim towards those and just whatever happens, happens. I have an overall understanding of where I want to go, but I wish I could be a planner but and like a plotter, but I'm a pantser, that's what they call it, and I tend to go wherever it takes me. In the first book, in Break and Enter, when a character walked on the screen, and I won't tell you which one, I knew like when she, this person, when I was typing and she appeared on my laptop screen, I knew instantly that she was a spy. She was going to be trouble and I knew it would be trouble in the third book. So it just, it's one of those things that sort of unravels for me as it does the reader. And if I, and I know myself well enough to know if I actually plotted the whole thing out, I would never write the book because I already knew what would happen. (laughs) So I'm much like a reader when I write, I need to discover it as I go.
1: I'm sure that makes it exciting for the readers as well. So tell me, why did you choose this particular genre, this sort of thriller genre?
2: Growing up, my mom read romance novels and left them around the house. And my dad read thrillers and he left them around the house. So I grew up reading both and it just sort of struck me as I should just put these together because I like some of the aspects of the romance and I love thrillers too. And so it was... So much fun to me to just put those together because both of them really interest me. And I think it's sort of an homage to my parents with my mom with her romances and my dad with his thrillers. So it's kind of fun. That's lovely. You mentioned you grow,
1: grew up in Nova Scotia, and we could mention the hit and Run. Quite a bit of it happens either in Vancouver or off the Vancouver coast. So you have a, a, a partly Canadian setting for that one, don't you?
2: I do. My sister lived in Vancouver for years and I was out there a fair amount to visit her. So it just fit in with how I wanted that story to go. So, yes, it's set part of it in Stanley Park. And I really was thrilled to be able to incorporate that. Yeah, yeah. But moving on a little bit from
1: the specific books to a more general focus, have these restrictions of COVID-19 affected you much or interrupted your workflow?
2: It hasn't been too bad. In some ways, it's as I said, I'm not traveling as much, so I don't get to see new places, which always kind of twigs storylines and stuff for me. But outside of that, I'm very fortunate in that my kids are a bit older, and so the online schooling is fine. It's not difficult, and I don't have to sort of homeschool in a way. It's it's quite well prepared, so I don't have to worry about that as much. It hasn't been too disruptive, and in some ways, it's actually been good because because I can't do anything or go anywhere. I write more. <laughs> so that's
1: Andy. <laughs> that's great. Now, is there one thing you've done in your writing career more than any other that you would credit with being the secret of your success?
2: I would say the thing that really makes any writer successful is just putting your butt in the chair. It's the more time you actually spend writing, the better you get, not like at the craft, but also your story gets better. So the more time I spend writing, the better I get at writing and the better my stories become. And I think that's just a huge plus. And and the more you do it, the more you can do it, I think is the other part of it. Also reading, you have to read. If you're going to write, you have to read because that's what sort of, in some ways they call it filling the well. When you read other people's stuff, it really gives you sort of a lift sometimes because you can delve into their characters a bit more when you know what's going on behind the scenes as they're creating them. So it really helps. I read somewhere too, that you often as a writer can learn more from the books that you see
1: that don't quite work than the ones that are amazingly successful, because you can take a note and think, I can see just what isn't happening here that should be happening. And it kind of gives you a little poke in the side. Have you ever had that experience?
2: Yes. As a matter of fact, it's, One of the things that happens when you once you start writing and you start reading books, you start becoming an editor in your own head. And as you're going through, I'm constantly editing people's books. And the more I edit, the more I'm oh yes, I can see that problem. Oh, there's an issue or there. So if I don't, if I can stay in my reader head the entire book, then I know it's a really well written book. If I'm getting yeah. out of it and I'm into my editor head, then I'm like, oh, I can learn from each of these things. Oh, I see where that didn't work for this. And 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 I actually have stickies occasionally that have little notes on them. Remember to do this so that I know from my own work that I should do it.
1: Yeah, I've got one in front of me right at the moment. I, I recently read a book and I, I had two things as a takeaway. Don't be predictable and establish credible motivation because I got so annoyed with one of the characters because she kept she was an enabler and she kept on trusting and enabling people she took pity on who just kept on stabbing her in the back and i i started to get really frustrated with this pattern you know wake up girl and i was thinking i had this kind of conflicting, where well, she's really hooked you. You're really invested in these characters. You're getting so mad about the way they're behaving. But at the same time, I was tempted to put it down because I was so irritated.
2: <laughs> yes, it's it's true. You know, it's one of the big things is if your characters, if the motivation for what they're doing doesn't come across properly, it's really hard. It's hard to get through the book. You get frustrated with the characters. And, and readers, as you create a character, it has to be realistic enough that readers are taken with them and they're invested in them and they like them, but they're not annoyed with them too, because sometimes that's what happens. I've, and I've gotten to the point and I'm horrible about it, but now if I get to that point and I don't, I can't engage in that way of the book, I have to put the book down. I just can't finish it. It's just too, too much. Do you ever feel that way about your own characters as you're writing? Oh yes. Oh, as a writer, I have stages. In the beginning, I'm all excited and this is going really well. And by the time I've finished writing the entire first draft, I hate it. And then I go back and I read it over and I make notes and I do all these things and I try and improve it. And then I sort of like, it. and then it goes to my editor and it comes back again and I hate it again. And then eventually by the time I'm done, I'm like, okay, it's not bad. And then it goes off and I eventually get a copy in print and I open it up and I'll tell you the strangest thing happens. I read parts of it and think, did I write that? I have no memory of writing that. That's pretty good. (laughs)
1: oh that's wonderful if it happens like that so your best advice is to really just to stick at it what would be the worst advice that either you yourself has
2: received or you've seen being given to other beginning writers there's always this rush to publish like to put it out there and to you know try and get um, an agent or an editor or just put it out yourself there's no rush that's the big thing that and i've seen it time and time again people being told oh you can just do this or you can just do that you have to learn your craft you have to take the time to really learn what you're doing because if you don't and you rush to put it out you can't you can take it down if you've done it yourself but it's one of those things where it never really goes away it's out there in perpetuity that you put this out and it's and it's not your best work so i always think just take your time. There's no rush. Just take your time because I think there is a reader for every book. And you will yeah. find your readers. But just take your time so that what you're putting out is your best stuff. Yeah. And tell us a little
1: bit about how that played out in your own life. How long did it take for you to first get published?
2: 5 years. Uh-huh. From the time I started to the time Break and Enter came out was 5 years. I wrote, I actually have three other books that I consider probably will never see the light of day. (laughs) They go in your bottom drawer because of your practice books, what I think of as practice books. And that's what I mean by learning your craft. So I took courses and I went to workshops and I listened to lectures and did all those things and hired editors and, and just learned and learned and learned before I put anything out there. So I think you just need to take your time. That's what I've learned is take your time and make sure that, that what you're putting out is good. It's solid. It's something that you're proud of. That's
1: fantastic, Laurie. Look, turning to Laurie as reader, because this is the joys of binge reading, and we like to provide inspiration for other people who, who like to ru- read genre fiction, entertainment fiction. So have you? What what are your tastes in fiction? And have you got... Some current books that you'd, or even classics that you'd like to recommend to people that they might not be aware of?
2: So I read all over the place. I am a complete all over the map kind of reader. I don't stick in one area. But lately, Janie Crouch has a, a very similar to what I write, it's romantic suspense and it's the same type of, you know, ex-Navy SEALs or that type of thing. And she has a linear tactical series. And I just finished her most recent one, which was entitled Baby. And that was really good. I also read historicals and romance, so I just not too long ago finished Wild Wild Rake from Jana McGregor, and that's her Cavinsham Harris's series. It's very good. And of course, Louise Penny just has out the All the Devils Are Here, and I love Louise Penny. If you haven't read her mystery series with Inspector Gamache, it's just fabulous. Um, a Canadian, so she sets it all in outside of Montreal. I absolutely adore that series as well. And then I'm just catching up. I read A Discovery of Witches not too long ago. So now I'm, I've got the second one. It's the top of my to be red pile because I'm just trying to catch up on that. And I, I love that series.
1: Is that Paranormal? I don't know that one.
2: Yes, it is. It's a paranormal about vampires and witches. And it actually, I think, I'm trying to remember if it's HBO, did the TV version. I think it's HBO. But it, if you're into paranormal at all, it's very good. It's an excellent series. Great, great. Look, that's lovely. We're starting to come
1: to the end of our time together. So circling around and looking back down your career as a writer, at this stage, if you were doing it all again, would you change anything? Or is there anything you would change?
2: I probably would have started earlier, made time for it around my children more but I waited until my kids were really ensconced in school and on, you know, well on their way before I started. So I think I might start, I would have started a little bit earlier. But other than that, I like the road I've chosen and it's working for me. And I've learned so much that it's hard to say, you know, I want to go back and alter anything because then I may not have learned the same amount. So I really, the only thing is maybe just starting sooner. When you were that young mum, did you have that sort of secret ambition, one day I'm going to do this, one
1: day I'm going to do this?
2: Oh, for sure. From the very moment that I stopped working, because I had, I was pregnant with my daughter, I had five weeks before her due date, and that was the first time I hadn't worked since I was 15. And I remember thinking even then, okay, I'm going to get to write. And then you have a baby, and and I already had a seven-year-old stepson, and, and just from there, it, it all sort of, you know, life takes over, and you get busy, and So it was quite a few years before I managed to start. And I do have a half finished novel somewhere too that I have to dig out and see what that looks like at some point. But it really was about five years ago when I seriously sat down and decided I would do it.
1: And I think you're also quite well connected in writing circles. You belong to some of the crime writers groups and I guess networking with other writers
2: is probably quite an important part of life, is it? It's an absolute necessity. There is nothing better for me than getting together with a group of writers and just talking. It's, it's one of the ways that it refills It's like your soul in, in writing because you can sit around and discuss the details of writing. Writing is a solitary thing and you're sitting in your office writing and you're hoping that people will read it and enjoy it, but you're never sure. So sitting around and talking to a pile of other writers, it's joy. It's instant joy because you're learning from them and they're learning from you and you're getting to hash out all kinds of different ideas and thoughts and things. And it's, it's just a fantastic exchange of creativity. It sounds great. So what is next for Laurie, the writer?
1: Say over the next 12 months, what have you got in development?
2: I have a new series, the first book I'm working on now, still doing research, but I'm gonna start writing shortly. And that series is slightly different, same similar idea, but it will be based on Coast Guard, Coast Guard, and they're actually still in the Coast Guard. So there'll be a, a sort of a different perspective that way. And that will happen through next year. All three books will come out next year. And there's another sort of small town mystery suspense, romantic suspense story that'll also start with other authors we're doing sort of a combined series where we create this town and do it and that's called that'll be set in Candlewood Falls is the name of the town and that'll come out late next year.
1: Wow so you've really got your 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 laptops running hot.
2: It is it is and there are days when I think oh I just want to take a break but the The idea of taking a break, I can only do it for so long before I find myself going, well, maybe I'll just look at this or I'll work on that while I'm doing it. So
1: it's all good. And the Coast Guard research, have you had a good contact with the Coast Guard to get those details right?
2: I'm working on it. I have a friend who retired from the Coast Guard. So I've been asking him a lot of questions and I'm reading about it and trying to figure out exactly how I will make it work. But it's, it's very fascinating. And I had no concept before I started. My base concept for the series was, believe it or not, shipping. I have a friend who is involved in creating software for shipping companies. And that just twigged my imagination. And I thought, hmm, shipping, what goes with shipping? I'm like Coast Guard. So that's where I sort of went with it. In so my research has been a lot of fun to do. But it's, It's a whole new field for me in that way. And what part of the coast are they going to be situated on? Have you decided that yet? Well, the first story will take place down the Pacific coast of the U.S. and into Central and South America. Uh uh, Something along those lines. But then I think I'm going to come over to your side of the world in the second book.
1: Oh, really? Oh, that sounds fascinating. We'll have to keep an eye on that.
2: (laughs) So I'm sure that you'd like to interact with your readers. Do you get good feedback from your readers? I do. And I'm always looking for more. Feedback is so important. So I on my Facebook page, which is Laurie Matthews Books, you can find me. I put stuff out all the time and I'm always looking for feedback because that's how I love to create my characters. Um, one of my recent posts was about what's the thing that annoys you most about your mate? Because one of, you, one of the things I always try and do is have something that's annoying about them or something that... The opposite, you know, person goes, oh, I can't stand that. That's horrendous. Or they, you know, they do something that's annoying. And I think that's, it's part of your setup. When I set up a character, I fill out dating forms for them, like online dating type of form. So I download one and I fill it out for my characters because I think that's kind of fun. It gives me a huge background on them and it gives me a lot of stuff to work with. So it's great fun for me in that way. And, and it just makes the story flow so much better when I know my characters.
1: That's a great idea. <laughs> great. So yes, so you, you're on, you're on Facebook?
2: Yes. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And my website, of course, is Um And like I say, I, I always love feedback. So anybody who wants to reach out, I'd be happy to hear from you. I, it makes me so happy to speak with people who are, you know, readers who are into all of this stuff. It, it's just great. It, I can mine it for all kinds of information about my characters. That's lovely.
1: And just to reassure people that all of those, the links for all of those sites, the social media contacts and the books will be in the show notes that will be published with the podcast. So you'll be able to go online to the website page and find all of that for you. You don't have to just rely on the verbal uh, transcript. Okay, my dear, look, I think we've run out of time today, but it's been fantastic talking and you're
2: certainly a very busy writer. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed speaking with you. That's lovely, Laurie. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to the Joys of Binge Reading podcast. You can find all the details and links for this episode at www.thejoysofbingereading.com. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions for who you'd like us to interview next. And if you enjoyed the show, take a moment to subscribe on iTunes or a similar provider so you won't miss out on future guests. Thanks for joining us and happy reading.
1: The Joys of Binge Reading podcast is put together with fantastic technical help from Dan Cotton and Abe Raffles. Dan is an experienced sound and video engineer who's ready and available to help you with your next project. Seek him out at Services at gmail.com That's D for Daniel, C for Charlie, audioservices at gmail.com or check our show notes. He's fast, he takes pride in getting it right and he's great to work with. Our voiceovers are done by Abe Raffles, another gem of sound and screen. Abe has 20 years of experience on on both sides of the camera slash microphone as a cameraman director and also as a voice artist and TV presenter I think you'd agree that his voice is both light hearted and warm he is super easy to work with no matter what the job you'll find him at Abe A-B-E at pointandshoot.co.nz as I say the full details in the show notes on the website that's it for now thanks for listening hopefully see you next week bye